You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Uh, now, at this time, let's turn our hearts towards hearing the word of the Lord as Pastor Bill prepares to come and preach to us from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, where the Apostle Paul writes this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is God's word. I I think that, you know, the whole thing of prayer is, is something that it's, it's not, we talk about prayer, and we talk about sometimes the misuses of prayer, how that, that people misuse prayer, you know, and, and, and they, they do other things but besides really praying. Uh, but I don't, I don't think that that's the biggest issue about prayer is the misuse of prayer. I think it's the unuse of prayer. You know, we're, we're just not praying people. Um, and sometimes maybe we just don't know how to pray. You know, maybe we just don't really know how we need to pray. And so it's not that our heart isn't desiring to pray, but it's just we feel inadequate or we feel uh, less than able or or maybe less than informed to pray. Um, So this morning, I want to talk to you about praying for the church, praying for Life Church in particular. Um, But I also want to give you some specifics to begin to pray for Life Church. All right. And so hopefully as we do this together um, and down the road here in a few weeks, we're going to give you some opportunities to actually gather and pray. Um, And so we will join with each other and and be praying. Um, But I I chose this passage here because I think that Paul here, uh, as he is writing to the church at Ephesus, is is saying that he wants some things to happen and therefore he prays for them to happen. And I think this is a good guide for us as far as how to pray for the church. There are other uh, places in the epistles where Paul also writes to churches and he talks about these are the things I am praying for you. Or this this is how I am praying for you. Um, And so you get these kind of little lists, if you will, of things. And it's really good to kind of go through. You could do that as a study, if you will. Um, of how to pray for the church, all right? Um, but I want to just focus right here in this particular passage uh, where, where uh, David read to you this morning, uh, verses 15 to 23. Um, you know, all of 
Paul is Paul is he has an amazing way of writing, you know, with lots of words that just flow and flow and flow and keep going. And the guys who who study this deeply in the Greek will tell you that chapter one is really only about two or three sentences, you know. But it's, there's a lot there, you know. And so it's really important to kind of get into it and look at it really, really precisely and see what. You know, kind of lay out what are these things that he's saying? What are these things that he's talking about? And um, really in this particular passage, for me, I think that the real heart of it all um, is, is found in, in verse 18, all right? And that is he's saying, I am praying that you may know. That you may know. In other words, that you have knowledge. That is my prayer, is that you gain certain knowledge. You have understanding, if you will. And so that's the place I would like for you and I to start to pray for Life Church is that we in Life Church may know, all right? Not just that we think, not just that we feel, not that we have a lot of opinions, but there are some things that we know, all right? That we know that we know that we know. We are convinced, all right? They are set inside of us. They are etched in our heart. They are etched in our mind. And these are things that we know, and therefore we stand on them. They are, they are foundational. They are fundamental to us. And here's why I want you to do that. Because I really believe, and I've seen it sort of borne out in people's lives. When I've sat with people, and I've had a number of people say to me, uh, Pastor Bill, would you, would you help me to learn how to pray? Um, I, I would like to, to pray better. I would like to pray like deeper or richer prayers. And I, I'd like for you to help me to do that. Um, and, and this is not a boast on my part. I love to pray. And I, I enjoy praying. And I think that, that God has given me uh, an ability to pray. Uh, and and, and a, a hunger to pray, a desire to pray. And so I've tried to hone that a bit. And I've gone into the Word of God to do that. I've gone in and I've, I've tried to, to go through passages of Scripture and pray them out. You know, just, just change it a little bit, but pray it out audibly so even I can hear it myself as I am praying it. And I, I do that with the Psalms quite often. And that's, that's been really... Um, encouraging to me personally to be able to do that and to hear the prayers that I am praying as I am going through the various passages. So I would encourage you to do that in developing your own prayer life. But I think that these are key passages that not only we're praying for the church, but I would encourage you in what I'm talking about this morning that you would pray for yourself, that you would pray for your spouse, that you would pray for your children, and that certainly we would pray for Life Church as a whole. Okay, so there are some things that we need to know here, and and Paul is is sort of laying this out. All right, and he says that that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I want Him to give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. So it's not just that you have knowledge and that you know things, all right? It isn't about going and, and getting a book of facts, all right? Um, this, this is not a message about learning tidbits, okay? But this is a message about understanding and knowing Christ, knowing the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? And understanding the implications of that and being able to apply that knowledge to your own life. 
And it's interesting because as Paul is, is talking about praying for everyone here, uh, and, and he does kind of, kind of lay it out here very clearly. Uh, he says at the beginning of this chapter, uh, at this, this part of this chapter, he says, um, there's two things that I've heard. There's two things that, 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 now Paul hasn't been to Ephesus here, all right? He, he doesn't know all of these people individually, all right? But there's something that he understands, and he's saying, I, I've heard this. This has come to me. And what I've heard is, 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 is two things, and that is your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, all right? And these are, these are two things that I want us to hold, hold tight here all right, in our prayer. I want us continually praying that our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is increasing. All right? and it, your faith is, is your beginning point. That is your sal- You are saved by faith. All right? Not by your works. Not by your religion. Not by your particular uh, knowledge theologically. But you're saved by faith. It is belief in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ saves you, not, not your theology, not your actions, your deeds, and all of, all of the works you do, not your attendance in life church, not your commitment to life church, not your friendship with the pastors or other people in the body here, but you're saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. He's done the work that you could not do so that you could be who you are. All right? And so we stand on that identity. We stand on that platform. So all of our prayer comes out of this place of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that He has done what the Word says He has done. And that it is complete. All right? So we don't, we don't increase in faith so that we get God. We have God through Christ and through His death and His resurrection. All right? But, but this faith increases, and as it does, we grow and we mature in the body of Christ. And so I, I want not only that you have a faith that establishes your salvation, but you have a faith that continues to grow, thereby you mature, and, and you are discipled, and you are even more effective in the body of Christ. And that will come out then in this second piece that he says here, and that is, I've also heard now that... that that you have this great faith, but I've also heard that you have a great love for all the saints. He is not saying you really love the super Christians. He's saying you love the saints. And here's what you've got to understand about, about the writings of Paul. Paul doesn't write and use this terminology because he has heard that there are just some really exceptional people here at Ephesus. He uses the same term when he writes to the church at Corinth. And if you want to understand the, uh, the diversity and the mess of the church, read Corinthians. And yet he addresses them as saints. You're not saints by what you do. You're saints because of what Christ has done for you. And then he says, and what I hear is not only that you have the faith to be saints, and you are, but that you love all the other saints. All the other saints. Not your favorites. Not the easy ones. But all. We all love each other in the body of Christ. The Bible says that they, the world, will know us. How? By our great exploits 
not exactly, by our love that we have one for the other. And that means that we look at one another with the same lens. We see each other on the same plane. And we have this kind of love that is dispersed in the body of Christ, one to another. And so there are maybe people in the body that you are closer to, that you have a deeper relationship with, that, that you are akin to more, that, that you have things that are more in common with, that, that there's, a, there's a, maybe a, a commonality about you, and so you click better, uh, and you may spend a little more time with each other. But the deeper love, the, the, the acceptance that you have because Christ has accepted you. That, that love that bought you. That love working through you. Is a love that is spread out. And it hits all the saints. And so we see one another in that kind of relationship. Where we can love one another. We can have compassion for one another. We can have care for one another. We, we will take care of each other in the body. All right. And so that's, that's sort of the criteria here of the church. So the church is made up of people who have faith, all right? People who have faith in the Lord Jesus, all right? That's what you, you believe. That's, that's how, how you, you live flowing out of that is the love, all right? So, so how you live flows out of what you believe. If you believe that you are loved by God, that Jesus has loved you enough to die for your sins and to save you, and to redeem you, now that love flows out of you. That love responds in some way, and that is by loving the saints, all the saints, all right? And, 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 and faith is primary here, all right? But practice is necessary here. And so the, 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 the faith that we have brings out the action and the deed that is among us. And that begins in love, folks. If you, if you are relating to one another for any other reason other than love, then we're missing it. All of that is noisy and empty, according to Scripture. All right? You can, do, you can do all, you can fast, you can pray, you can preach, you can proclaim, you can do all kinds of things. But if you don't have love, it is empty. It is noise. That's all it is. That's all it will ever be. All right, so it begins in Christ. There's, there's no other place. But then he says now, okay, those of you who have faith in the Lord Jesus and you love all of the saints, here's what I want you to do. I'm praying for you. All right? I'm praying for you. So we're going to pray that our faith increases in Life Church. We're going to pray that, that our love abounds in Life Church. But we're going to pray that in that we are given knowledge. All right, we receive knowledge, and that knowledge is about knowing the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. All right, and, and, and that's interesting to me because in this particular passage, he is talking about some amazing things. All right, he says, I want you to have this spirit of wisdom, I want you to have this revelation that is in the knowledge of Him, I want you to have the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? If you just focus on those three aspects and pray those out for Life Church, folks, we will change. 
We will have amazing transformation in Life Church just out of those three things alone. All right? Paul wants you to know what you have. All right? And, and this, is, this is, I think, problematic for the church today is we don't know what we have. We haven't really understood it. We haven't really grasped it. And, and, and Paul is saying it very metaphorically here. He's saying, let the eyes of your heart be opened. In other words, get it. Get it from where you feel it. Not just from where you know it. All right? Not just having excuse me, been taught something. But let's, let's get this down in the core of ourselves, all right? Let this become a real key piece of our identity, all right? Let's know what we have. Know the hope of this calling. His calling, not your calling. His calling, all right? His calling for you. He, this is a hope that comes from knowing that He has already called you. All right? He has already chosen you. Let's t- turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 26. <clears throat> For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He chose you not because you were so great or you were so special or you were so unique above everybody else. He chose you because he loved you. And He wanted to redeem you. And so you are chosen. You are are called by God. And that's something, if we would get that, I I really believe, if we would get that in in our spirit, in our identity, it will change things about us. We'll change our behavior. We'll change our dialogue and our discussion, our conversation. We'll change how we look at ourselves. I really believe when we begin to live out of the fact that we are called, that God has called us because He's chosen us and He loves us, that it will make a difference in in our life that we live where in the past perhaps we have done a lot of managing sin. But if we can understand that we are called by God, by a holy and a righteous God, we're called by Him. He has chosen us to live in Him him in us it will change our behavior there's some of you out there and and you 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 i'm telling you the truth and you know it in your heart and and i believe that if you will let the holy spirit 
speak to you, you will agree with me in this, and that is that you are constantly choosing to live in and manage your life in sin. You're willfully choosing to stay there. And I, I, I want us to hear this call of God that is calling us up out of those places where we stay, choose to stay in willful sinfulness along the way. You don't have to be there. You don't have to stay down. You don't have to stay defeated. You don't have to live in that place of shame. Paul is saying, I want you to get it. In other words, I don't want you just to understand in your head that, oh, okay, I, I get it here that Jesus died for the sins of the world. No, Paul's saying, I want your heart's eye to open up and I want you to see it out of your heart, out of your core. I want this, I want this to get deep inside of you. Jesus died for your sin. That you may be delivered out of it. That you may live outside of that. There's a, there, there, that is yours to have because you're called by God. All right? So, so you have now this, this hope, this confidence. And that, the hope of the calling is this, this assurance. It's, it's a buoyancy. It keeps you up there. If you will be honest with yourself, you are most prone to sin when you are least focused on your hope that is in Christ. When we move our eyes off of Jesus and we move our eyes on this world and our own neediness. And we forget the sufficiency of God. We begin to respond out of what we think will make us happy or meet our need or fulfill us in some way or take care of us. And it's so inadequate. And it's not only inadequate, but it's dangerous. It's volatile. It's toxic. It's destructive. And it's taking you down. It's not allowing you to live in that hope. It's not allowing you to live in that calling. And that only is in Christ. There's nothing you can do. There's no place you can go. There's no one else that can satisfy you with what Jesus has already done for you. Nothing. And so, Paul's saying, for you, the church, I want your eyes open. I want you to get this revelation. I want you to get this, this understanding. And I want, I want you to have it. I want, you, I want it in you. I want it to be your buoyancy. I want it to be your assurance. I want it to be your confidence. And he says, I want you to get these, these riches of, of, get this deposit of his glorious inheritance. His glory, not your inheritance, his inheritance, okay? Get the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We, many of us, we read this all wrong, right? We, we hear the word inheritance and we go right to, okay, this is what I get. I get this because I'm the, the brother or the sister of Jesus. I get this and I get this and I get it. He's saying here, I want you to understand something. That there is an inheritance that, is, that, is, that belongs to Christ. And that inheritance is the saints. Folks, we are this fullness. We are 
this, this fulfillment, if you will. Um, in, in the book of Isaiah, there, there's a message that is kind of drawn out of there about the glory that a son brings to a father or a child to a parent. My children are all in their 20s now. All of my children are now adults by age. I'll tell you what I've learned over 26 plus years now. When my children, young or older, could stand up and accomplish something and stand tall and proud in front of people, I sat tall and proud before them. They made me proud. They puffed me up. They were my children. They were doing these wonderful things. They could have been reciting a three-word sentence in kindergarten. It could be just telling grandma the colors. But anytime they performed in some way, oh, I felt so proud. But anytime one of my children, young or older, have chosen to live outside of the calling of God upon their lives, I have felt the shame that has been associated with that. It's amazing power that children have. When they're doing well, you feel great. But when they make those other choices, you carry the brunt of the shame and the agony of that. Listen, you are his inheritance. You are the fullness of this glory of Jesus Christ. And when we, the church, when we are disobedient, we trample that glory. We tread over it. And I want you and I to begin to pray that Life Church will not, we of Life Church will not, individually or corporately, trample the glory of God. But rather, we will establish the glory of God and we will hold to the glory of God and we will treasure the glory of God as His inheritance. And that we will live And you and I, we, we know this place of despair when we see our own children <laughs> disobedient. Let's not live in that place, but let's understand what we are and what we have here. And let's begin to live in the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. And also in what is the immeasurable greatness of of His power toward us who believe. This one, I think, is, is amazing. This is where we, we stand here, all right? He rules for you and for me. He, he lives out His authority. Do you understand? We're the inheritance. What, what is described by Paul here, it is, it is for us. And it sounds amazing. 
He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, these things. All right. He seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. We live in that authority. We live in that place of power. But our lives don't seem to indicate that a lot of the time. So we are going to pray for power. We're going to pray for power. But here's what I want you to understand. I'm praying for you and I, not for the power to run out and cast out demons. Not for the power to run out and, and lay hands on the sick and heal them. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. Those are things we can do. Yes, they are. But I'm praying that, first of all, you have the power and the dominion over sin. That you and I are living out of holiness and righteousness before God. Because when we live and rise above sin and, and sin's dominion, we are, we are appropriating the power that we have as the inheritance of Jesus Christ because our identity is him, in Him through the cross. And it is the power of the resurrection, according to this scripture, that is at work in us. You and I cannot live in the power of the resurrection. Oh, excuse me. We are not living in the power of the resurrection if we are living bound in major sins in our lives. Can't do that. If sin is killing us, we are not fully alive. And so I am praying for you first and foremost to not only understand, not only have the eyes of your heart open, but that you get this, you get this, this knowledge and you get this revelation and you get this spirit of wisdom upon you so that you can see where you are, see whose you are, and see what you have. And out of this power, you begin to live fully in who you are in Christ Jesus. And, and let me tell you, that... That will be an amazing, amazing place to live there. How, 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 do, we, how do we draw on that? I, I, I think we have to look seriously back up at verse 17. He says, I'm going to pray that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you. All right, it comes from God. Let God give us. Ask for it. Ask for it. A spirit of wisdom. Ask for a spirit of revelation. Ask for knowledge in Him. Ask Him to open the eyes of your heart. Maybe you have to start with a brand new heart. Maybe this is a whole new arena for you. Maybe you've not been here yet. But this is the beauty of God. He will give you a new heart. He will give you a clean heart. He will give you singleness of heart. He will give you a pure heart. He will restore your heart. This is, this is what He wants to do. But you see, He wants you to see it. He wants you to taste it. He wants you to smell it. He wants you to grasp it. It's more than just getting it in your head. But it's getting it deep in your heart and your being so that you are living this as your own identity. 
So even before we pray it for the church, let's pray it for ourselves. Let's, let's start with us. Let me ask you this question. How, you ask yourself this question. How, how would I act if I knew all of this really from deep in my heart? You know how you act now. I mean, you can't know your heart fully. It's wicked. The Bible says that. But there's stuff you know. There's stuff you're battling. There's stuff you're struggling with. There's stuff you're dealing with in your own life. But if you really live, if you live daily out of this reality, out of this revelation and this truth, how would you act knowing this and living it from your heart? In John 17, Jesus prays this prayer for you. If you go to John 17 and, and, and go through the prayer of Jesus, you'll see it's very much what Paul is talking about right here, what Paul is praying for the church. Jesus prayed for you in, the, in John's gospel. All right? So, so Paul, Paul is just reiterating some of the very thing, the very desires that God has for you that that Jesus has already prayed for you and that is that you would have this hope to which he has called you and that you would you would know what these riches of this glorious inheritance in the saints is and that you would be able to to grasp and take hold of this immeasurable greatness of his power towards you here's the interesting thing here's the beautiful thing Jesus prays that for you. And then he turns around. As, uh, I, think it's, I think it's Tim Keller that says it. Was, some current theologian says it, and I, and I like it. Says, you know what, though? When, when, when Jesus prays this prayer of John 17 for you and I, he turns around and he prays for himself the reverse. Father, nevertheless, your will be done. In other words, you're going to have to reject me. You're going to have to cast me away as worthless. I'm not your inheritance. And you're going to have to break me with your power. That I am broken for the world. And he does that. He does that. But the hope, the hope that is in you today, the hope that you have that you walk with today, the hope that will carry you through in all circumstances and situations is that this same Jesus who he allowed to be crucified and buried, he rose from the grave on the third day. The power of the resurrection will work in you this very prayer and it will be answered by this power that you have in Christ Jesus. So we begin to pray. And we're going to pray for Life Church. And I'm asking you to pray this prayer daily, if you will. Certainly throughout the week at some point. 
But you are going to pray, and we're going to pray and ask God that he would give us a spirit of wisdom, that he would give us a spirit of revelation, that he would give us the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our hearts would be open, they would be enlightened, that we would know the hope to which he has called us, that we would know the riches of his glorious inheritance, that is us, the saints, and that we would know this immeasurable greatness of his power that is towards us. And that we would know this out of the power of Christ alone and nothing else. Amen? So let's become a church that prays for the church. You pray for each other. You pray for Life Church. Let's pray for the church in our city. Let's pray for the church in America. Let's pray for the church global. But let's begin to pray out of the word, out of scripture. This is how I'm asking you, Life Church, to pray for us as we are going forward here. Amen. Amen. Melissa. I just get the chance to um, kind of wrap this up and, and make this connection to the gospel. I mean, this message is the gospel. We were, Paul is praying for the church to know God, to be, know that he is wanting to give them so much. He's wanting to give them himself. And that's important because Jesus came. He was He's God, and he came to earth, and he lived sinlessly, and then he offered himself as a sacrifice for the world's sin. And he did that so that we can know him and we can be his children and, and be a part of his family. And, and this is why Paul saw this being so important, that we would know him, we would have that revelation of who he is. And um, so we, we offer a chance every, every Sunday um, if you don't, if you haven't taken the step to begin to get to know Jesus, to begin praying to him, to talk to him, um, there's going to be a team up here. Um, you can come and they can pray with you. If you want to begin, you know, you're, you're feeling this like Paul is praying this. There's so many things that about God that you want to know. Um, and you had you want to begin that journey today there'll be a team to pray with you um and if there's any other needs here uh that you need prayed for you know that's what this team is here those people that pray um are here for as well um so i'm going to call the team up and i will pray for us um if you want prayer you may come up um otherwise you will be you can be dismissed Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for how you reveal yourself to us, how you make yourself known in your Son, how he came um, to make your will known, to make your love known, and to become the sacrifice that would save us from our sin, and to be resurrected and to be the power in us, to live free from sin to know that power working in us. God, so we pray for Life Church. We pray for this, the church in, in Sioux Falls, that it would know this power. It would know the power of your resurrection and begin to break free from the bondage of sin and begin to le- live as we are called, as your saints, as your beloved ones, as your set-apart ones. God, we love you, and we give you all glory and honor and praise. 
In Jesus' name, amen.